I'm Tisha Bader and in the news, the Temple Mount, the site that is holy to Jews and Muslims in Jerusalem's old city, which is once again a flashpoint of conflict and violence. This highly tense and highly sensitive situation often repeats itself around this time during the holy Muslim month of Ramadan, which this year also coincides with Passover. But what other factors contribute to this very complex issue? Well, to help us understand is Dr. Eran Sitkiyahu from the Center for International Studies at the Paris Institute of Political Sciences. Eran is also a research associate at the Forum for Regional Thinking, an independent, nonpartisan Jewish and Arab research institute and think tank dedicated to the fundamental political and social issues. His work focusing on religious nationalism and sacred spaces in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Iran joins us now from Jerusalem. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Tisha. So before we get into what's happening today, can you just give us a little bit of, of history, a background as to why this site often spirals into this kind of conflict? Well, we all remember the Temple Mount uh, usually when uh, when violence breaks out, but actually uh, it is an issue that has been going on for about 100 years. The conflict as we know it yes, um, between Jews and Arabs uh, in the Holy Land started around the, the Temple Mount and the holy sites in Jerusalem during holy times. And it started as a violent conflict between two national movements about 100 years ago in 1920, in April 1920. So uh, you can see that already 100 years ago, the Temple Mount, Al-Aqsa Mosque, holy times, holy days, national religious uh, significance uh, in holy places like the old city of Jerusalem and uh, the surroundings of the holy site, the holy esplanade itself, the Temple Mount or Al-Aqsa Mosque, depending from where you look at it, uh, has been actually the, if I use a superlative here, uh, the, the nuclear reactor generating violence or translating tensions to violence from the very beginning of the Jewish-Arab conflict into the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Uh, since the 1990s and the peace process, the holy sites, mainly in Jerusalem, but also in Hebron, has been uh, maybe the uh, special arena around which uh, tensions were time and again translated to violence um, um, around, again, the same pattern, holy times and holy places uh, in a way that actually contributed dramatically to, uh, to, to the collapse of the peace process and a political change. The Al-Aqsa Intifada in 2000, uh, which started on the Temple Mount, and I can go on and on uh, to uh, 2015 and the knife uh, intifada, the stabbing uh, uh, intifada that started in Jerusalem around the uh, Al-Aqsa Temple Mount, 2017, the metal detector is 19. Of course, last year, right, that started a wave of intercommunal violence all over the country uh, and the war with the uh, Hamas. Uh, so of course the Temple Mount is not the deep reason there is a whole territorial, political, historical conflict going on between Jews and Arabs, Israelis and Palestinians, but it is the place that provokes the violence 
uh, and it is the special arena where uh, violence erupts. So this is a pattern that uh, it is worth noticing uh, and because it repeats itself time and again. Uh, yes, yeah, so this pattern that you speak of, how do we stop it? Is there a way to sort of pinpoint a first step, a first action, something that happens and then the rest sort of escalates from there? Can you find okay. that <laughs> well, one or two things? I know it sounds oversimplified, but yeah. is there a way to sort of stop it or approach it in a different way so it doesn't get to this point? Well, I think we should first try and understand why it is happening this way. And then maybe we can start uh, dismantling this uh, explosive uh, site. Um, Zionism, it, and we have to start in the beginning for a moment, so I'm gonna make it short, but Zionism is the Jewish national movement. It is based on the word Zion. Zion is not only a place mentioned in the Bible, the temple, Jerusalem, or the land of Israel, or in different variations, the people of Israel. It is also a concept coming back to Israel, gathering the Jews, establishing Jewish kingdom, sovereignty, a state, and building a temple and sacrificing animals in the temple to live according to the word of God. And up until Zionism, nothing less was returning to Zion. Zionism came along, secularized the theologically charged term Zion, and made a uh, named the Jewish national movement after this idea of returning to Zion. It's a pattern that was forged in the first uh, exile. And this, the return to Zion, the Jews came back, built the temple, of course, established the state and built the temple. And this was what Jews prayed for, for 2000 years. And all of a sudden, these Jewish nationalists come along, establish a state, gather the Jews, build the state, and then they build the university and they build the kibbutz, but they don't build the temple. They were alienated by the concept, they were uh, secular. The idea of Zion though, reflects the inherent tension within Zionism between religion and the modern secular idea of nationalism. Now, Palestinian nationalism was also based on the secularized religious ethos of the sanctity of Jerusalem and the Al-Aqsa Mosque. The Quran says, Subhanallah asra abdihi laylan min al-masjid al-haram ila al-masjid al-Aqsa aladhi barakna hawlahu, which means, blessed be God that drove his servant, the Prophet Muhammad by night from the holy place in Mecca, the holy mosque to the Al-Aqsa Mosque, the far distant mosque, the, the environments of which we have blessed. So the holy land, the promised land for the Jews is the blessed land in the Quran. And the blessing is received because of the Al-Aqsa Mosque. It bestows the blessing on the land. And the whole local identity of the Levant was established around the sanctity of Jerusalem. And many years later, after the Crusades were uh, banished from the Holy Land by Saladin, the idea of the sanctity of Jerusalem and the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the mission of the local Muslims in this country, and I'm talking about 800 years ago, to protect it from the foreign takeover became the fundamentals of the local identity, which later, many years later, become 
the, the, the bedrock upon which the foundations of the Palestinian national movement will be laid upon. And from the very beginning, a hundred years ago, a dialogue was conducted between Zionists and Palestinians around the question of the Temple Mountain del Aqsa Mosque. Uh, Chaim Arlozorov, the, which was the foreign minister of the Zionist movement, tried to explain to the Muslims, to Hajjamin al-Husseini, the, at the time leader of the Palestinian national movement in the early 30s, we are not interested in building a, a, a temple. And the Mufti, which was a religious clerk and the leader of the Palestinian national movement at the time, answered to him and said, we don't believe you because we read your scriptures. You will not stop at the wall. You will take another step. Now, we all know that the Western wall is only the external edifice of the Temple Mount. Take one more step and you're on the Temple Mount, meaning you will take ownership and sovereignty. So there is an existential fear from the very beginning of the Palestinian national movement that the Zionist movement is eventually based on religious uh, ideas and its end goal, the end point of Zion, as one scholar uh, wrote an article uh, titled, um, is to establish a temple on the ruins of the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is the basic justification for Palestinian identity. And so does this boil down to mistrust at the end of the day? If Israel keeps saying we're going to maintain the status quo, we'll maintain freedom of worship, but the Palestinians and, and certainly the terror group Hamas keep saying, no, they're going to do this, they're going to take it, you have to protect it. Is that at the So at the I, I think that there is a very deep misunderstanding. Israelis, many Israelis say that it is a, a plot, it is a lie. Palestinians know that Israel is not uh, aiming at building a a temple, and many Palestinians are completely convinced that there is an ongoing plan to um, diminish Muslim rights at the site. The model of uh, many Muslim Palestinians, and of course the minority in the Israeli society of uh, temple activists is the Hebron mosques at the, at the moment. What happened in Hebron is that after the Goldstein massacre, where an, a Jewish a nationalist, a religious extremist, uh, killed 29 worshippers in 1994 in Purim and Ramadan. Um, uh, Israel changed the order in the mosque and uh, the cave of Machpelah in Hebron and divided the space be for, between Jews and Muslims. Uh, not only divided the space, but also div uh, divided times. So there's separate times uh, for Muslims and Jews to use the entire area. And, Palestinians keep um, expressing a fear that Israel is going to divide the Al-Aqsa Mosque, the Temple Mount, the Holy Esplanade, like they, it did in Hebron. Uh, it is, of course, not the Israeli policy, not the government, but some small groups or that are, they were much more marginal in the 1990s. In the last decade, they've become stronger, but they are still not uh, di dictating the Israeli policy. Uh, they talk also about uh, dividing times and dividing uh, space like in Hebron. So there is a fear. Now, it is of course not the divider that was placed in the Western Wall in 1929 or the metal detectors in 2017 or the fences in, Dam in Damascus Gate um, uh, uh, last year that are the deep cause for violence. Nobody cares about a fence or a, a, a any mundane object. It is the meaning beneath the actions, of course, 
It is the idea of who belongs here, who owns this place, to whom uh, it's deep questions of uh, really of belonging, of autochtony, autochtony, uh, who is the native here, right? Uh, and yes, a lot of mistrust. If I may, I want to add uh, that when we are asking about how to stop the violence around the Temple Mount, we have to take into consideration that the Temple Mount is a small space. It's about 133 dunams. So translated to acre, I think it's about 40 acre, if I'm not mistaken. And it is, of course, impossible to separate what's happening on the mountain from what's happening around the mountain or the mount. Um, the power balance outside the Holy Esplanade uh, prevents Palestinians from uh, being able to concede to is, um, um, or to agree to more rights for Jewish worshippers. Uh, they feel that this is, let's say, the last stronghold that they are holding. And outside, the Holy Esplanade in East Jerusalem, in the West Bank, in the Gaza Strip, of course, in the entire context of the Israeli-Palestinian-Jewish-Arab relations, um, they are the weak side. And they still have some power, the threat of a violent eruption uh, in the Holy Esplanade. And it is very hard for them to concede. For Israelis, as long as Palestinians don't recognize their right to the Temple Mount. I'm not even talking about worshiping rites, right? Just the fact that there was a temple, for example, and that it is a site holy to Israeli Jews, etc. It means that they are negating our mere existence. So it feels like there is an ongoing dialogue between, uh, in Hebrew we say, dialogue between two deaf people that cannot hear each other. Um, and I think we first need to understand this and the context that we cannot really solve the problems on the mountain without relating to the power balance outside, but we cannot also, as we've learned in the 1990s, uh, really change the power balance outside without being very, uh, giving very close attention to what's going on on the holy mountain itself. Yeah, so there is what we call a dialectic, a complex dialectic relations here. <laughs> It's very complex, as you say. It's 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 truly. It, it sounds almost impossible. I don't want to be pessimistic about it. I always have hope that things can be somehow worked out or improved. But in the meantime, you know, Israel is responding in the way that it feels it has to. For example, when uh, just a few days ago, and even just this morning, Palestinian riders went inside Al Aqsa, threw firecrackers, threw rocks, and. You know, there have been instances where Israeli police forces have been forced to go in, which is seen as a grave violation, not just by the Palestinians, but by Israel's Arab neighbors and Arab uh, nations. But what do you do in that instance when there is violence, when there is, you know, yeah. rocks being thrown as far as uh, where the Western Wall is? So, yeah. you, you know, you don't really have a choice but to respond and protect and defend human life in that instance. But then as we're seeing now, that brings condemnation from Jordan, very strong condemnation, yeah. and from even from the United Arab Emirates who, who just signed the Abraham Accords with Israel. So in this situation right now, is there a different way that, a different kind of response that you see that, yes. could, that is possible? Yes, I think so. First of all, I think Israel should have been more prepared. 
and it uh, was I think uh, that it the, the the first entry of the police uh, in Friday morning uh, to the mosque should have been prevented um, because the the risk of entering and and uh, maybe killing a protester and starting uh, could start a cycle of violence maybe the 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 risk of uh, damaging the mosque, maybe setting fire to the mosque by mistake, right? And there are there is enough means to contain the violence uh, on the second Friday of Ramadan, yes, or um, uh, uh, when the uh, priestly priestly blessing is about to begin. Uh, it is a very tense moment. We had a moment like this in October 1990, Israel ended up killing 17 Palestinians on the Temple, on the temple Mount. Um, and it was a disaster, not only a tragedy and a loss of life, but also a, um, a disaster to the Israeli interest and to the Israeli-American relations in the time where, I, where the United States tried to establish a coalition to invade Iraq and recruit the Arab states. So the Temple Mount, can be used against Israel as a stumbling block to uh, its regional relations, uh, to international relations. When um, uh, the first time that American and Israeli interests started to shift away from each other was when uh, Israel uh, um, uh, killed 17 Muslims on the Temple Mount during a, holi a Jewish holiday. Uh, it was also due to a threat posed by a very marginal group in Israel. Uh, it was the, at the time the Temple Mount Faithful. This time it's Chuzrim Lahar coming back to the mountain. It's a very small groups who dictate policy to an entire state. And I think uh, that there are enough ways that uh, we could, have, or enough means or preventional uh, measures that Israel could have taken in advance, including approaching the Palestinian leadership in East Jerusalem in the street, not addressing them by the president, the young Shabab, the youth in East Jerusalem, not listen to the Israeli president. You need to approach to them from uh, through local leaders. You need to approach to them in the streets, in the gates of the Holy Esplanade. You can also contain some of the violence inside. You can cre create some kind of an, a net. We have to, of course, see the site itself to protect the worshippers uh, in the Western Wall that are just below, yes, the, the plaza. If you are on the plaza at a certain point and you throw a stone, it can hurt people praying in the Temple Mount, in the Western Wall. And you can create some more physical measures to protect worshippers. And this way, contain the violence on the site, push them into the structures inside, and uh, uh, prevent from bursting in with a lot of power, a lot of force that might uh, cause an escalation. This is actually, it is not being weak, it is being wise and not playing into the hands of radicals that actually want to see an escalation. Yeah, so, And that's the other thing that I wanted to just ask you about was we're hearing from terror group Hamas, go, you know, mobilize, do what you can. You have to defend Al-Aqsa, you have to protect Al-Aqsa. Hamas has an interest in, in restarting even greater conflict with Israel, is that fair to say? Well, within Hamas, there are different voices. Um, I think um, that uh, Sinwar in Gaza doesn't want uh, to, uh, to intervene. I'm not sure that he sees it, uh, 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 that he sees it as, an, as, as an interest. 
but other voices within Hamas, especially more external voices that are not in Gaza now at the moment, uh, are pushing for uh, Hamas intervention. I can tell you that last year, uh, after the, ca- the cancellation of the elections in the PA, just days before the escalation started, Hamas put a lot of hope in the elections. And when the elections were canceled, it was stuck. And all of a sudden, the, the violence in Jerusalem were, was an excellent opportunity for Hamas to, uh, let's say, reinvent itself outside the political game through violence. And all of a sudden, shooting rockets into Jerusalem during the Jerusalem flag parade, the, the Jerusalem day parade, the flag dance, as we call it, uh, labeled Hamas as the protector of Jerusalem and made it the most popular movement in the territories. So um, sometimes uh, escalation might play into the hands of Hamas. And we have to also take into consideration that Hamas has different voices and Hamas doesn't want to jeopardize the political achievements it made in Gaza. It is practically the strongest and uh, most popular uh, movement in the territories. And it is also a quasi state already in Gaza. And it doesn't want to jeopardize it. But when it sees a chance to escalate the conflict around holy places, religious ideas, this kind of escalation, religiously oriented, national religious uh, oriented escalation, uh, strengthened Hamas, of course. Lastly, we just have a quick minute. In the situation that Israel is in right now, so there could have been more done, you're saying, but looking at how things are right now, is there a way to shift the trajectory slightly so that Israel does not end up in an even more difficult and uh, with even more conflict? These are uh, difficult questions. Uh, We are talking about one square kilometer surrounded by what President Clinton called it the Holy Basin, or uh, it was a term coined around that time, the the Clinton parameters. Um, The Holy Basin is the geographical area around the old city. It's a very small area, and it is one of the most complex places in the world, I think, uh, with religious, national, uh, historical, cultural um, significances condensed one on top of the other. This kind of area needs special treatment. Uh, It needs a lot of attention. It needs experts. It needs a a forum of religious clergy. Uh, It needs a a much more delicate uh, treatment and approach than how I think Israel is uh, treating or using or applying in this area today. And indeed, Many radicals, by the way, not only in the Palestinian side, but also uh, in the Israeli Jewish side, uh, it is only natural for them to mobilize religious and national religious feelings and holy places to uh, their own ends. And let's say the majority and the state institutions and the, the, the moderate majority needs to um, pay more attention to these places and demand a more intelligent and delicate treatment. Um, Without going into the details, I think police work is hard and complicated and important, 
but it cannot uh, sum up with policing. Police Iran. is like a hammer, and every problem looks to them like a nail. And we need smarter, more delicate approach um, and more complex uh, actions um, that they are taking into consideration all the different uh, aspects. Iran, thank you so much. I, I truly hope that we can we can talk, uh, we can see better days ahead, um, that things do calm down and um, we look forward to having you back on JBS whenever possible. Dr. Eran Kiahu is from the Thank Center you. for International Studies at the Paris Institute of Political Sciences and a research associate at the Forum for Regional Thinking. Thank you, Eran, so much for joining us here on JBS. Thank you. Chag Sameach. And thank you, as always, to our director, Sloan Copeland, JBS Managing Director, Dara Golub, Technical Manager Michael Paley, Transmission Manager John McDevitt, and our producer Carol Lilienthal. And thank you for watching In the News. Be well.